What's up, folks? This is a very, very special podcast episode because I was actually the one getting interviewed for this time. And my good friend Katie was the one that interviewed me. She has a podcast that she calls Katie Chats, and she posted on YouTube. She reached out to me a long time ago, a couple, uh, actually, back last year and asked for a little bit of mentorship on social media and content producing and video editing. We hit it off immediately. I had the pleasure of cooking for her at one of my dinners uh, last September, and we've just been in touch ever since. And when she started this podcast interview style show, she reached out to me and asked if I would be a part of it, and I said absolutely. So the condition that I gave her was that I could use the audio for my podcast and repurpose it as a Emulsion podcast episode. So I just wanted to give you a little bit of a primer here and tell you exactly what's up because this will seem kind of like a little bit of a deviation from our normal style of format, but this is Katie interviewing me. We talk about social media, my failures, managing a team, being a creative, what to charge for your services, and we go into so much more. So I encourage you to listen to this and follow Katie at the end of this video. Thank you so much. I hope you enjoy it. <laughs> so I've heard that serial entrepreneurs, they don't actually, I asked one, he's like, I don't plan for the future. He's uh -huh. like, I only plan in three-year increments, True. which I can see why, mm. but I guess everybody has their own like little thing i think it makes sense though because well, you don't really know what's going to happen with your business in five years or the, ten years the real question is what actions are you going to take like today that are going to impact that five-year thing mm -hmm. and if you have those things you should do those yeah but if you don't what's the point right yeah like, i was literally thinking about this this morning lying in mm -hmm. bed because anna my girlfriend was mm -hmm. like stressing about something at work mm-hmm and I was like, realistically, how much of your own energy are you actually putting towards this? Mm -hmm. And how much of that energy is actually going towards helping it? Do you know what I mean? Right. Like, As in, like, some things you can't control. Mm -hmm. You just can't. Mm -hmm. You just totally. have to let it totally. go. Yeah. I talked to her about, like, she, she mentioned to me, like, she's more like the long-term planner. Totally. So that's probably why she, like, stresses. I mean, that's why we were able like to be that. long distance for five and a half years. Yeah. It was long-term long-term thinking yeah that's great uh kind of briefly introduce yourself to my audience that is the hardest thing for me to do right now it is there is a lot of hyphens i spent the last well previous to this i spent eight years in michelin starred and award-winning restaurants around the world i went to school for that i went straight from high school into that so i don't have a any sort of prior career to this whole thing and during the end of that chef time, I started getting really into online content and thinking about what does the next step look like for me. And for me, that ended up leading me down the path of like building my own personal brand. And in a very 2017, 2016 environment, back when that's when I made that decision, it was I wanted to be video centric. Mm -hmm. So that led me down the path of video editing, which then leads me to where I am now, which is making YouTube videos and still cooking through private events and a little bit of restaurant consulting mm -hmm. and then doing other video projects because that's a skill that I've built up where other people, everybody wants video right now. So it's very easy for me to, when I'm not cooking all the time, help small businesses totally, around help the small area. businesses and just make sure that I'm paying the bills in between everything else because for the first you know, year or two of doing anything YouTube related, you have to be prepared for it to not bring in every, any revenue for you. Mm -hmm. So you got to figure out how to like supplement that without 
kind of like going bankrupt. Mm-hmm, so. Right. Justin's from the Midwest, by the way, and he kind of sort of recently moved to Seattle. That was also uh, so, a big change, moving to a new city, because it was I was what it, in Europe for yeah. two years. How Europe, recent was this? This was a year ago. So a year ago. Well, a year He's been like in Seattle months. for a year. Mm-hmm. Okay. So I'm still super new. Yeah. So a lot of that YouTube stuff and uh, personal brand stuff was uh, networking. Mm-hmm. And that's how we met, for sure. Yeah. And actually, it's crazy because living in Seattle for so long, I think you just kind of get used to and you kind of um, settle in one place a little bit more and you're less willing to, like, go out. Because, like, for for example, like, I was able to meet Justin, um, a bunch of other uh, people through... Um, it, it was, was a tea meetup. It was a tea meetup, but it's funny because... I think, okay, so um, I find that when you move to a new spot, like, people are more, like, you're more willing to go out and meet new people, whereas, whereas, you know, living in Seattle for so long, like, I would naturally not be inclined to actually meet new people, except I was in that mindset at the time, so that that's for another time. Anyway, um, okay, so let's actually dive into the topics that we're going to talk about. We're going to go into uh, expectations versus reality of entrepreneurship first, which is going to be kind of an interesting topic. So uh, the first question that I have geared towards Justin's experience is uh, kind of what what do you see as the biggest misconception of entrepreneurship in that maybe your expectations when you first started and the through mistakes or learning where where you are now sure so i spent a lot of time in the two years prior to me going out on on my own while Mm -hmm. i was still in a job doing as much research as i could to try to make sure that i set myself up for success for this quote-unquote leap and it's funny that i call it a leap because even though i like don't have a strict nine to five Mm -hmm. i don't um have a i'm still not working a one single job mm-hmm. i still rely on other sources of income to make sure like i said earlier to make sure that my bills get paid it's such a misconception that you have to quit your job and just go for it right the entrepreneurs that i respect and that i've gotten a lot of the best advice from say and have advised other people to build something that can sustain itself while you're still like what is your minimum viable product that you can produce while you're still working your other job mm-hmm. and beta test it right get feedback like get all of that stuff taken care of mm-hmm. so that when you do decide that you're going to make it your full-time thing mm-hmm. you know what's going to work right? right like the misconception is that in order to be an entrepreneur you have to be like just go balls to the wall and just you know like quit your day job and and raise a lot of money and take out a loan and it's not it's not true right mm-hmm. like i was making dish of the day videos in mm-hmm. the restaurant in Norway on my days off mm-hmm. right like that was like the minimum that I could do and making travel vlogs like that was like mm-hmm. the minimum that I could do to beta test it and to like mm-hmm. and it was so valuable because it was like I got over all my camera shyness mm-hmm. I got really into video editing so that I knew that when it was time for me to like moving to Seattle I more or less went all in on it. I like mm-hmm. didn't take a I didn't take another sous chef, sous chef job. Yeah. So that's my biggest misconception that I've seen in people that are interested mm-hmm. in like going all in on it. Mhm. Yeah, I'd say the biggest struggle 
or misconception is just when you graduate from maybe you're a high school student or you're a college student and you're graduating or you're about to graduate, you kind of have that thought like, oh, okay, like if I'm going to go into entrepreneurship, like this is like maybe a full-time thing that I have to just dive right in. Or they are motivated while they're having their job to like, oh, I I have to quit my job right away and figure this out. And it does create a lot of pressure because you have to think about like finances and how you're going to actually make this work. What if it doesn't work? Right. And you, when that's your only thing and that's your only thing that you're going to make money with, you're Mm -hmm. very um, sometimes incentivized to chase short-term money Mm -hmm. as opposed to if you have a nine to five and this is like your side hustle, quote unquote, right? (laughs) you're doing it because you love it and you're Mm -hmm. doing it because you want to see it grow and because you're not relying on it for income mm-hmm. and that will cause that kind of like slow compounding growth right and it will also let you see like can this actually make money mm-hmm. and do you actually like it that's another thing is that like i thought that being a travel vlogger would be the coolest thing in the world or being mm-hmm. well I, I hesitate to say travel vlogger, a food vlogger someone mm-hmm. who goes out to eat at restaurants writes about their experiences right and i tried it for a little bit i had a little food blog that i typed up for a little while mm-hmm. and I don't like it. I don't enjoy it. Like, Mm -hmm. what would have happened if I would have said, screw the chef stuff, I'm going to go be a food blogger, Mm -hmm. the way that everybody else says, wouldn't work. Right. That's true. But I love your Hong Kong vlogs, and Mm -hmm. I think you should definitely... It's super fun. (laughs) It's my opinion that Justin should continue his vlogs, because they're also doing really well on YouTube. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. If you look at his Hong Kong vlog, I'll I'll put it somewhere up here. Mm Um, let's see, let's move on to, okay, so we did lightly touch upon finances. Um, is that something that you feel like you are still struggling with or something that, oh, I'm at a good place now with Patreon. So, so just to briefly, um, uh, Justin has sources of revenue. uh Uh-huh. Right. Um, That's it's, I'm so glad you cover this top, like you make this a category that you talk about because yeah. it's not something that's talked about enough. I feel uh-huh. like uh, there's always the romantic story of like, like I said, I quit my job. I think it's I just, like... just to talk about it. It's kind mm-hmm. of a challenge, but mm-hmm. because Justin is very like open in his personality, I decided sure. that we're going to cover this. Uh, I'm not to a point when I can like go drink a Mai Tai in Thailand, right? Like, I don't have enough passive income to do that. I'm still saying yes to odd jobs because uh-huh. I still am not to a point where I can fully pay my bills through the entrepreneurial stuff that I'm doing. Mm-hmm. Um, it's starting to take shape a little bit more now. Mm-hmm. Last year for me was very much so, like, testing everything, like, throwing everything at the wall and seeing what sticks. Mm-hmm. Like, do I want to do more travel-focused stuff, tutorials, mm-hmm. photo stuff? Yeah. Um, I very much so, at this point, built an audience that knows what to expect when they come mm-hmm. to see me now. Uh, and brands are reaching out and brand Like, you have to be willing to not make any money for the first part of it. And that's mm-hmm. kind of... Not a lot of people want to hear that. And not a lot of people can mm-hmm. handle that. Yeah. Um, so, sources of revenue right now is I'm working on a restaurant consulting project with a friend. Mm-hmm. I am... Um, doing my own pop-up events Mm -hmm. sometimes that's more or less like once or twice a month Mm -hmm. it's not really enough to for me to count it as a thing but it's still something that I do Mm -hmm. uh I have the part-time job working with my friend who owns a food truck Mm -hmm. which again is not um 
something that a lot of people, it's not sexy to say that, right? But Mm -hmm. for me, it makes total sense because the paycheck's really good Mm -hmm. and it requires absolutely no mental effort from me. I can just go. It's still cooking, which is something that I love. Yeah. But it's like, there's no management. There's no creation. There's no ordering. There's no, I just walk onto this food truck Mm -hmm. and I can, which if anyone is interested in taking a side Mm -hmm. job, like go into retail, right? Like Mm -hmm. it's not sexy to say that you work at the flower shop down the street, Mm -hmm. but it's like, that's going to take so much mental capacity off of your plate so that Mm -hmm. you can then focus that energy onto your, you know, 6 p.m. to midnight projects that you're doing. Right. That's the worst thing you could do is Mm -hmm. when I started trying to video edit when I was, had a sous chef job, it was really hard because it was like, that was a stressful position. I was Mm -hmm. running a kitchen. Right. And so it's like to think of starting something from there, I didn't have enough mental, I didn't have enough RAM, right, in Uh my brain to start to think about that growth. So if you are going to... I encourage you to take a side job. I encourage you to make sure that you're, because two things are going to happen, right? You're going to be either stressed so much about your financials Mm -hmm. that you're not going to be able to put towards the effort to your goal that you want, or you're going to be so stressed out by this one job that you have that's paying your bills. Oh yeah, definitely. So try to find that middle ground. Like what's that middle ground job where like you don't have to think a lot. You can just go, it pays your bills Mm -hmm. and then you have all this extra energy and motivation, right? Because every single minute you're at that job, you're going to be thinking about like, man, I wish I could be at home editing right now, or man, I wish I could be at home drawing, or whatever it is that you're going to you're gonna do. Mm-hmm. Um, Patreon has been great for me. Um, again, not something where it completely pays the bills. Mm-hmm. I'm using a lot of that to actually fund this office where I am so that I can mm-hmm. create more. Um, and then, of course, there's a little bit of uh, YouTube AdSense money that's coming in. Mm-hmm. It's not amazing, but I mean, right. it's, it's it's growing. Right. And then a little bit of Amazon affiliate as well. Mm-hmm. Because I, I saw that. about a lot of products. Yeah. Um, those are the only sources of revenue I have right now. It's probably like six or seven, which all mm-hmm. in total adds up to make sure that I can pay my bills. Right. But it's not. Um, There's a lot. But um, so, so like, can I ask, like, percentage-wise? Yeah, yeah totally. Like, uh, so would you say the I'd most say it's probably like uh, 40% through the food truck job, mm-hmm. 40% through the restaurant consulting job. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the other 20% is probably divvied up and it varies month to month between YouTube, Patreon, Amazon affiliate. And then there's usually one or two odd jobs per month that I'll do, mm-hmm. whether it's like a friend needs a video shoot done. Right. You're or, really good with video content. Mm-hmm. So. so it's like, yeah, use those hit him up if you're in Seattle. Totally. Like, use <laughs> he can do skills. your videos. Well, you think about what you're good at. Use those skills and use them to get your bills paid. Like you got to hustle. You got to hustle. Mm-hmm. Uh, so one last question we were going to cover uh, before I end this particular topic mm-hmm. is your mindset when charging for services. Sure. Um, I think a lot of people, at least um, I'm one of them, uh, sometimes we struggle with undervaluing uh, what we can do or what we can put on the table. For example, photography, maybe you are just starting out or you started out for like you're only doing this for like two years and you feel like you can't possibly charge a certain amount that someone else is doing. So can you talk a little bit about that in reference to your Totally. So I think it depends on your ambition. If you want to be a full-fledged photographer for life, Mm -hmm. 
you should start thinking about how can I put myself in the highest quality bracket mm-hmm. possible because you can always uh, you can always win on quality. Mm-hmm. You're always going to lose if you compete on price. Mm-hmm. If you always walk yourself around town touting that you're the cheapest photographer, the most affordable photographer, mm-hmm. there's always going to be someone that's going to do it for less. S- than somebody's you going to undercut exactly. you anyway. Exactly. So. <laughs> so, so it's like you're, you're <laughs> don't better. do that exactly, and so you're better. Like that's what I do with my video services, right? Like that's how I'm so easy to get hired for my video stuff because I'm cheaper than anyone in town because it's not my main thing, right? So you're always going to have someone like that who's willing to either do it for free to build their portfolio, right? You know, so. Uh, you're better off pricing yourself higher mm-hmm. and niching yourself, making sure that you can niching. Uh, convey something that's very true to you and mm-hmm. you have a very unique style that people are willing to pay more for. Mm-hmm. And what is that? I don't know what that is for you or what it is for you. Mm-hmm. The other thing is to do figure out what you absolutely need. Like what do you, mm-hmm. what do you need and how does that work? So like to give you a great example – my rate for uh, cooking at events mm-hmm. is like between 20 and 25 an hour. Mm-hmm. My video editing rate is either per minute on a project, mm-hmm. which is like per minute of the final product of the video, just mm-hmm. to clarify, not per minute of how many minutes I'm working, <laughs> or it's a set hourly rate, which is like between 50 and $60 an hour. Right. And the only reason that's a thing is because if I'm cooking, it's usually like an 8 to 13 hour day. Mm-hmm. If I'm video editing, if it's like a four minute video project, that'll probably take me like six hours, mm-hmm. right? Like so, like doing the math, it checks out where it's like I can't charge twenty dollars an hour for video mm-hmm. because I give you a, a four minute video for like one hundred twenty bucks. Mm-hmm. That's such a good deal. That's crazy. No one, no one charges that. Yeah. So you have to. The other thing that I would suggest if you're kind of skeptical about your hourly rate Mm -hmm. is to get on the... And I did this with a lot of my uh, catering events, is I would call a business in town that's doing the same thing that you're doing Mm -hmm. and pretend that you're a customer. Okay. One, because that puts you in the shoes of the people who are going to come to you Mm -hmm. so you figure out what it's like from that perspective and how other people treat you as a client. And you also get a flat out rate because they think you're a customer. Mm-hmm. Just call, be like, hey, my name's Katie. I work at, just make up a cup. I work at WeWork, you know what I mean? <laughs> and we're looking to get some headshots for our uh, office people. Mm-hmm. What does that look like working with you guys? Mm-hmm. And call up two or three other places in town, work through that whole experience. Right. And just be fully transparent with them. Be like, I'm shopping around town. I just want to know what your guys' rates are so that I can get a good reference point. Mm-hmm. And they'll tell you exactly what it is. And then look at your work, compare it to their work, not in a kind of like super strict way, but just be like, because you might be like, I can do way better than that, Mm -hmm. you know, or it might be like, oh man, you know, like I totally see why they're charging that much money. Mm -hmm. So that's my advice. That, those are really good tips. So Mm -hmm. make sure you guys use that. Call them up. This segment is going to be on social media for your business and YouTube stuff. And Justin's a YouTuber, so he's going to answer all of my questions about that now the to get started why do you think using social media is so important for your business or brand i'm gonna pause that and ask you a quick question because you call me a youtuber and it's so weird to be called that because (laughs) when did it when did that become a when do you consider someone a youtuber 
Um, someone who creates YouTube, YouTube videos. videos. I guess that's a good. And Justin does a lot of vlogging. Yeah, he yeah, yeah. Uh, reviews. I, I, you know, he uploads very constantly on YouTube. I was so self conscious about calling myself that because I never would have thought that I could call myself that until you get like, what is that number? Or what is that like? Right, like the, you know, the following. What is that point? When, yeah. Whether it's a following or like you're bringing X amount of money or you've made so many videos or. That's that's it's a just, good point. It's that's just a true. Weird point to be finally called. No, there's no like. <laughs> that's no, a milestone. You can't, you can't graduate no. from somewhere when you call like so they'll call you a YouTuber. So thank you. That's, yes. That's good. No um, why is social media important? Yeah. Um. And it, it, actually, the the reason why I ask it. Um. The other day, I was just I just started the Gary V book called Thank You Economy. Um. And. In the very first chapter, he starts off talking about how this this book was actually, by the way, it was published years back, mm-hmm. and I read the cover. It was twenty twelve yep. that it was published, yep. so he must have done it in twenty ten. Sure. Um, and back then, even then, he was saying how you know we should use social media for mm-hmm. your brand mm-hmm. because your brand needs an online presence. Right. Um, but just now, I want to hear your thoughts. It's important because. And going back to what Gary will say a lot of the time is if before anyone can talk about what they do, before anyone can sell you their camera or their cup of coffee, they need your attention. And you're probably watching this on the thing that gets your attention for a large percentage of the day, which is your phone. And if you look at your phone, what are the most frequently used apps or the your first tap when you go into your phone is probably a social media service. Mm-hmm. So, and the the truth of it is a lot of those platforms are free to publish your content on. And so to think that you would not use those things to share your ideas or your perspective is crazy. And it doesn't even have to be this well-produced stuff. I think about um, the guys back in the day that had the Blendtec Blender. It's like, how the hell are we going to like make Blender content interesting? Mm-hmm. And they started throwing iPhones and stuff into the Blender. Yeah, that stuff was up. crazy. You know, so it's... And just the fact that you know them, you know mm-hmm. that video, uh, is a shout to social media. And it's just the... the uh-huh. it, it, It's exactly what Gary says. It's the current state of the internet. Mm-hmm. And we're all on it, and we're all using it... Uh, there's a few of us that aren't, and if that person is not, they will hopefully hear through your stuff through word of mouth, through people that are using it. But the fact of the matter is, it's the fact that we're recording this on this many, like the state of technology is just so good that we can produce stuff like this mm-hmm. and shout it out into the world and people can hear about it is pretty incredible. Yeah. Um, It also works for someone like me who does something like food, Mm -hmm. where it is easy to... Everybody likes seeing food on Instagram. Mm -hmm. For sure. It is a little bit easier for me, so I am very grateful for that, that I'm not selling concrete, right? Uh Like, how do you make that interesting? Yeah. But I just think it's, it's, it's so low cost to enter. There's so many networking opportunities. Right. VI, Instagram, DM. Totally. Like, That's so one many, really good, like, good way, you guys. And there's just too many pros 
for me to give give you a con. It's just so important. It's so mm-hmm. important. Yeah, just to quickly add on to that. I mean, nowadays before I go to the restaurant, I usually uh, will Yelp it beforehand. I mean, if you guys are, if you have an online presence, like I'll definitely check you guys out. And it's also a great way to promote local uh, businesses, restaurants. Um, let's move on to the next question, which is uh, for you specifically, what, when you look at your analytics, what demographics do you generally see for each platform? So what I kind of want to get into is I remember you talked about Snapchat, how like that's so perfect for like teenagers. Mm. If, if you're a brand that wants to target two teenagers, 13 to 17 years old. So uh, what kind of demographics do you tend to see? On sure. Um, yours? My YouTube demographic is really embarrassing. I looked at it yesterday, actually. It's 99% male. Mm-hmm. Which is really crazy. <laughs> I make up the one percent female. Katie is the one percent, um, <laughs> apparently. Um, channel, which I'm really actually a, wow. a little bit embarrassed about. I'm trying to figure out how I can kind of. I like, wonder how that happened. That the, well, it, that's that's my story, right? Like it's my, probably because if I had to guess, because Justin puts out tech videos, mm-hmm. videos about knives. Mm-hmm. I mean, chef stuff, but I don't know the demographics for the chef community. Sure. It could be more male versus female. Well, that's my, uh, that is my story. My story is being a male, young, tech-savvy, savory cook. Very tech-savvy. In, in the industry. And so that generally tends to veer towards the male demographic. If mm-hmm. we're talking about, like, being a pastry chef or a bakery shop owner... Uh, that is just unfortunately the way that the industry is split up. It's like a lot of the females tend to go towards pastry and a lot of the males tend to go towards Got the savory side of the kitchen. Okay. And that so just sense. because that's the topics that I'm talking about, that's um, other demographics, it's 50% from the U.S. Mm-hmm. And the other 50% is pretty much equally split all over mm-hmm. the globe, which I think is really cool. I'm really, really proud of that. Yeah. But um, I think more important just as important as the demographics of who is on the platform it's depending on who your target audience is on that platform what are they looking to see from that Mm -hmm. platform like you go to instagram as kind of like escapism Mm -hmm. to see something beautiful to maybe be motivated Mm -hmm. so that kind of content works really well whether it's motivational Mm -hmm. beautiful or experiential Mm -hmm. because you just have five minutes you're going to scroll through instagram yeah YouTube is a lot more long form, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, Facebook is a lot more short form, and you also have to figure out like what isn't being utilized on those platforms, right? Like right. just the fact that you're thinking about putting your podcast on YouTube, mm-hmm. that's like counterintuitive, right? Like, but it's proved to be, work really well for me, mm-hmm. and most of my audience consumes the podcast on YouTube, mm-hmm. so how do you look for those white spaces on those platforms, mm-hmm. right? Like, how do you think about pub- publishing a blog to Facebook right. through the notes app that they have in mm-hmm. Facebook? So it's like people are in Facebook and they see this long block of text. They're on Facebook because they're like catching up with their family or like whatever, whatever. So they're more likely to read that there mm-hmm. than everybody else on Instagram that's mm-hmm. posting long comments to their photos and they want you to read this story that they crafted. Mm-hmm. So, so it's really important to look at which platform you're on and target it different ways rather than, because I've seen some 
you YouTubers, this was many years ago, but they would kind of automate their items so that their Twitter and even their Instagram, Facebook posts look almost exactly the same. But you really have to look at what audiences are on there and even how long they're willing to read your mm-hmm. stuff. Mm-hmm. The only app that I have that publishes in two places is I have a applet called and with an app through if this called if this then that. Mm-hmm. And every single time I publish a photo to Instagram, it automatically publishes to Twitter. Mm-hmm. That's the only thing that I'll automate. It's mm-hmm. really frustrating when I see other chefs or other restaurants who publish something to Instagram and it automatically right. goes to Facebook. Because and they want to save time, yeah. but mm-hmm. it, it doesn't. It loses but... it. It loses mm-hmm. it because it's like, yeah, it's there, but then it's like that's one extra click that I have to take to view the photo. Right. The reason that I like the If This Then That app is that it actually takes the photo and auto-publishes it to Twitter instead of just putting a link Mm -hmm. that'll take you to Instagram. Right. I'm not saying that you shouldn't cross-promote yourself like that, but you should just be very aware of, like, I go to Twitter for, like, news Mm -hmm. and funny stuff. Right. And uh, looking at what people are up to. Mm Mm-hmm. So to publish a quote-unquote video in Mm -hmm. Twitter... Maybe isn't the best choice. Maybe it's really good because not a lot of people are publishing videos to Twitter. Right. Like, how do you how do you game the system and figure out where the attention is? Yeah, and isn't? that's definitely um, true. It's interesting. Um. Well, <clears throat> so Justin has uh he manages a bunch of social media platforms. That's the easiest way for me to say it. Mm-hmm. So Justin is on Facebook, YouTube. Let me try this: Instagram, Twitter, Patreon. Uh, what am I missing? Snapchat. Oh, Snapchat. (laughs) Okay, so as you can see, oh, did I say Twitter? So, so, uh, basically, Justin, you're you're on so many social media platforms. How do you make it work, and how do you make the time for it, and what do you like? I guess prioritize. You have to find a way to not embrace perfectionism Mm -hmm. that's like the easiest way to fail with managing all these social media platforms like you always have to publish a perfect facebook post Mm -hmm. or you always have to like post a perfect instagram photo Mm -hmm. or post a perfectly well worded tweet Mm -hmm. it's just not true so two pieces of advice for this Mm -hmm. is find find out what it looked like what it would look like if it was easy that's Mm -hmm. a thing from tim ferris which i've really taken to heart which is um, I carry around like a little moment lens that I can just screw onto my phone and take a photo of uh, food up close. And I use that, edit it so it's like nice and colorful and looks really nice, and I'll publish that to Instagram, and sometimes Mm -hmm. it's like this weird ingredient that people don't know what it is, and I'll like ask people to comment with what it is. And Yeah, I've seen I've seen that. Yeah. people, People enjoy that. People like and I'm the only one that I know of that's doing that with food, mm-hmm. right? So it's like, what is it? And that's easy, right? I made it easy for myself to do that because it's like a little lens I clip onto my phone. Mm-hmm. I'm already prepping the food, so all I have to do is swipe over, take a photo of it, yeah. and then edit it later. Yeah. Uh, some people do really well with selfies on Instagram. Mm-hmm. Um, figure out what it looks like if it were easy. Mm-hmm. Uh, try to take um, your other content. How can you repurpose it? Like, Katie, you're probably going to take this video and split it up into six or eight tiny smaller Possibly. videos. And then that can be, you know, like 
turn it into its own Facebook post. Or right, or on Instagram. On Medium, right, mm-hmm. like you write an article on Medium right. or you, you screen grab, like me mm-hmm. pointing at the screen right now, and then that is a post do that on Instagram, <laughs> you know? Like, that gets posted on Instagram, right? So, yeah. what it, like, don't stress about individual perfect pieces of content. Try mm-hmm. to repurpose, recycle. The other thing that I think is really underrated and not a lot of not enough people are doing it, which also is a great networking piece, is mm-hmm. to uh, curate and share other people's content. Mm-hmm. So whether that's reposting on Instagram, retweeting on Twitter, yeah. or sharing people's stuff on Facebook with your own perspective, right? That is how my podcast started. That is how, like, how am I going to make a show every single week? center around food and food news it creates community yeah that's the only the only way that i could do it is to uh-huh. use other people's content and that mm-hmm. was what the emulsion podcast started as was right. me talking about the news yeah and it was like i would take the news mm-hmm. i would share the facts and then also tack on my opinion at the end of the story mm-hmm. and that was the first 30 to 40 episodes mm-hmm. i only did maybe like two or three interviews in that span mm-hmm. it was all me taking other people's content, Mm -hmm. sharing it, but then also making it my own by adding my own perspective on it. Mm -hmm. And again, what does it look like if it were easy? The first couple of recordings was this mic, Mm -hmm. my phone, sometimes it was my iPad, Mm -hmm. video, Mm -hmm. video shooting me. And then I would publish that. I would do it on YouTube live. Mm -hmm. I wouldn't even record it as a separate video. I would write out the show, literally read off of a script. Mm Mm-hmm. So it's not ad lib, aka I don't have to edit it then, mm-hmm. and then that automatically gets saves so much as a time. Yep. You guys know editing takes editing sucks. forever. So <laughs> how can you set yourself up to make it look like to make it easy, right? Like how right. can you uh, instead kind of, of automating, like it, well, as you, an alternative, totally, because you can also automate, right? Mm-hmm. Like you can also That's like true. I have a friend who posts photos on Instagram, and she uses the same filter for all of her photos. Okay, she's created this preset. Mm-hmm. And now, every single time I see a photo on Instagram, mm-hmm. I know it's hers. It's distinctive enough that you recognize totally. it scrolling through. And then she doesn't have to stress about it, right? Mm-hmm. Like it's that theory of like, uh, why did Steve Jobs wear the same outfit every day? Mm-hmm. Because it made it easy for him. Right. It like cut out the decision fatigue from his life. Right. That's um, true. Same so- with. Uh- uh, Mark Zucker- Zuckerberg. Zuckerberg, yeah, he wears the same t-shirt <laughs> and, the jeans, same every t-shirt and jeans So that, that's my advice. Curating content is really important. Mm-hmm. Making sure it looks, e- making sure it's easy on you, and not being perfect about the content that you post is really, really, really important. Perfect. What is an area of? It could be YouTube or your social media platforms. What's an area do you enjoy the most and the least? And if it was the least, um, I guess, what areas would you outsource? Sure. So the area that I enjoy the most, and this is probably most YouTubers or creatives, is the creating part, right? Anything where I can get my hands on it and turn it into something that looks like mine so that when I put my stamp, my name on it, I know that it's mine. Mm -hmm. So that includes the writing of the the show, right? right. Like I would normally the scripting? Script, my, script my show out. Mm-hmm. The um, Well, you gotta be behind the well, camera. Totally, uh, you gotta totally. be in front of that's the camera. The so that I'm trying to set myself up for the outsourcing part is right. the, the talking, obviously, the, like, the actual mm-hmm. talking. Can't like, outsource that. Ideas, right? <laughs> that's what I enjoy. The uh, set, 
design, like figuring out what the background looks like, how is the lighting, whatever, whatever. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, the edit afterwards, which includes making sure the pacing's good, picking out the music, making mm-hmm. sure the audio levels are right, color correcting, right. all of that. The text that goes over it, like I'll often mm-hmm. use like little memes in my videos. Right. And all of that I really enjoy. Mm-hmm. To flip it, the stuff that I would love to outsource and that I don't enjoy mm-hmm. includes um, doing all the camera settings. Like, I would love to have someone behind the camera making sure that I'm in frame. That is it's so really, important. It's really hard. We uh, took a while setting this whole... Setup. This yeah, the whole up. setup. So I that, would love to that's have someone that can help me with that. Um, Again, I don't. I do all my stuff myself. I should probably preface this with all that. I do everything. I don't have. It's a lot of work. Yeah, that's a lot of work. So um, this is the dream: is to to yeah. if I were to have someone that would help me, it would be going behind the camera and making sure that I'm in frame and mm-hmm. that it's recording and that all so the audio important. levels are good. I would also love to have someone that would research the stories for me a little bit more okay uh for the podcast that would Mm -hmm. really help i've thought about doing that where it's like i have someone read through the stories Mm -hmm. uh give me a a bullet point right of each news story so that i can make it faster for Mm -hmm. me to so the prerequisite is that they must be interested in in the uh unique person you have to have a point of view where you know what i would say like right, right. You would say. look at like, is it specifically fine dining? Uh, probably, your or like whatever restaurant <clears throat> news. Like, I would, I so, would still curate the stories, mm-hmm. right? Like, I still, when I'm scrolling through to try to find the stories, I, I send them to a note app. Right. So I would still right. curate the stories. Right. But then instead of reading them all the way through, mm-hmm. I would probably have someone else read it and read summarize it, it summarize so you can it get it me. nicely mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. that would be yeah, really interesting it's a good one the other one would be to um do all the back-end youtube stuff mm-hmm. so that includes figuring out what the best keywords are to use for that video mm-hmm. even uh, thumbnail design possibly? thumbnail design i really enjoy okay i really enjoy the thumbnail <laughs> design part. i probably wouldn't outsource that um, yeah copying everything from the description um, right and pasting it and making sure that it matches what it is. Right. Um, I think in summary, it would just be uh, and this includes your social media platforms. Mm-hmm. Just someone to actually just post your stuff right. because by right. then you've already created the content mm-hmm. that did the editing. It's just a matter and the other of thing that's more of like a macro job. Mm-hmm. This is like little tactical stuff. Yeah, I would love to have someone that could um, I could send them this video file. Right, and they could chop it up. To a piece of content for me that's not perfect, but it's mm-hmm. really saves really time. Good. Send it to saves me, and I'll a post lot of that. Time. You know what I mean? Yeah, that would be what I would. That's be good. In you know, that's funny because I watched a Gary Vee video. I, mm-hmm. He makes so many videos, mm-hmm. but the one that I'm referencing is um, he was doing. Uh, he was looking for a video intern or somebody to actually chop up his videos to make it Instagram right. postable. Yep. So posting on Instagram. Quick hack, if you ever want access to a YouTuber or anybody on social media right now, that is the easiest way to get access to them right now. Because everybody wants someone to do that for them. So if you have the skills where you can take their content, Mm -hmm. chop it up, and turn it into something that's digestible for another platform, Mm -hmm. create a little Google Drive folder, take a bunch of their content, chop it up, and make sure that it's good to post natively on Twitter... Right. Send them to the, like find out how to get in contact with that YouTuber. Mm-hmm. Send them a link to that Google Drive folder and be like, "Hey, I just made a bunch of content for you for your Twitter. I just wanted to say thanks." 
<laughs> That's huge, awesome. Very like, smart. Huge. Like, that would just blow them away. They'd be like, holy crap. Like, They're like, they did this they for did me? They did this for me? Like, this <laughs> well, is thank so you. useful. Like, so much <laughs> more value given than just like, hey, can you give me a shout out? You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, bring them value somehow. And it's going to just change, it's going to change the game for you. If you're interested in getting access to these people or mm-hmm. working for them or learning from someone that you really admire. That's such a good idea. Huge, huge, Get on that, Like, do it right now. Like, stop watching the video and do it right now. All right. Um, let's, let's move on to the five YouTubers you mm-hmm. consistently watch all the time. So I'm just asking Justin, who are your YouTube inspirations? That's a good. That, I'm glad you. I'm glad you phrased it that way because there's my YouTubers that I watch because I enjoy watching them, and then there's other ones that I get a lot of inspiration from. So the first one that comes to mind is this guy named Craig Adams. Are you familiar with his stuff? What does he do? So he uh, started off as a wedding filmmaker, mm-hmm. and he created this thing called Wedding Film School. He grew it to 100,000 YouTube subscribers, but he was also bringing wow. building his own personal brand outside of that, mm-hmm. uh, which is interesting because that grew a lot slower than Wedding Film School did because Wedding Film School was so focused and it had a very mm-hmm. distinct theme and a very distinct demographic. Mm-hmm. Craig Adams, as a personal brand, he's kind of a weirdo. He's kind of a goofy guy. Mm-hmm. He likes really weird jokes. He's also mm-hmm. a quote-unquote minimalist. Mm-hmm. So he really took to that movement. He wears the same t-shirts every day. Uh-huh. He really uh, has, lives in like a one be- two-bedroom apartment in Brooklyn. Mm-hmm. And it's like very sparse. It's like mm-hmm. a couch and a TV. And that's it. Right. Uh, he has like one plate in his, in his apartment. Mm-hmm. But uh, his vlogs are amazing. He's basically taking everything that he knows from making wedding films mm-hmm comboed with his like really weird and quirky sense of humor mm-hmm. and they're just really unique vlogs i get a lot of inspiration from him and mm-hmm. just how he thinks about things he makes a hundred thousand dollars a year through affiliate marketing wow on youtube which yeah. is also really inspiring yeah. right like mm-hmm. you can be you can do this full time you can give your honest opinion about products only talk about the things that you are actually using mm-hmm. and actually make a lot of money off of it um that's number one Number two is probably Gary Vee's stuff, just because, um, and the reason I'm using his stuff, not is just because I get motivation from him, but also because he has 14 people on his content team. So not just on YouTube, but what does it look like to have a 14 person content team that I get a lot of inspiration from that looking Mm -hmm. at what, if you have that big of a team of people on the same product, Mm -hmm. what does that look like? I get a lot of inspiration from that. Right. Um, other YouTubers. There's this guy named Matt Diavella, mm-hmm. who I just got in touch with. Mm-hmm. Uh, not in touch with, but I just discovered him on YouTube. Mm-hmm. He, again, bringing it back to this minimalism thing, he do- he directed the minimalism documentary. Mm-hmm. And so he makes he has a podcast called The Ground Up Show, mm-hmm. where he does coffee with creatives and he sits down and talks hey Uh, but because he was a filmmaker and a dp for a long time he shoots his video his podcast interviews with three different camera angles Mm -hmm. records the audio with really high quality mics that's gonna be me one day guys totally no more He edits them beautifully. He puts a color grade on them, and they're just, like, really beautiful to watch. So, again, a a filmmaker 
who has transitioned to YouTube. Mm-hmm. Really, really fascinating. Who else do I really enjoy? There's this guy named uh, Alex, French guy cooking. Mm-hmm. Alex, Fre- uh, something like that. Mm-hmm. He's this French dude. Who right. Who makes cooking like, videos? Yeah. He's like Casey Neistat in the kitchen. Oh, Really, okay. really entertaining stuff from him. Really cool. And if I had to think of one other YouTuber that I really get excited when I see videos from them, it would probably be... Just think Do you mind if I look? Is that okay? <laughs> no, no, no. Like, leave it. I want to I actually see what my notifications show up. So this last one was really hard. I had to actually go through my YouTube dashboard and figure out who I'm subscribed to. And it's going to have to be a tie, dude. It's going to have to be a tie between Peter McKinnon and uh, MKVHD. Okay. Only because they both do product reviews. Mm -hmm. They're both into tech. But I take a lot of inspiration from them as far as, like, quality on their product reviews. I get get a lot of inspiration from Marquez's product reviews Mm -hmm. and his aesthetic and the way that he is just really brutally honest about the tech that he reviews Mm -hmm. and i'm also really inspired by peter mckinnon in the way that he also does like vlogs and he collaborates a lot Mm -hmm. and he also does product reviews and really tries to infuse his personality into every single thing that he does Mm -hmm. i am the first i mean i I hate to say that i'm the first because i'm not the first but i am one of the only people in this space who's reviewing cooking and chef and i'm a chef youtuber there's not a lot of those there's a ton of tech youtubers there's a uh-huh. ton of business youtubers there's right. a ton of photography youtubers yeah chef youtubers there's not that many mm-hmm. and and justin is the only chef youtuber with a bunch of knife videos totally, totally. I, that that's that's what recently you've been focusing mm-hmm. on i mm-hmm. i noticed your it's knife true. videos doing really well yeah, they're the best mm-hmm. performing ones so why yeah. who am i to not do more of those but yeah. my thing is if i discover that it works mm-hmm. right like i'm trying to think I, I try to focus on history and history repeats itself very frequently so the first guy who decided he wanted to review headphones mm-hmm. or laptops or cameras or whatever he could have made the be- he or she could have made the best videos on the planet, mm-hmm. but if someone sees that it's working, they're gonna take that mm-hmm. and make it their own. Mm-hmm. And if that personality is better, or you connect more with that person, it doesn't matter what the quality of the video is, because then it could have just been some soulless corporate brand making that video. People That's come true. back for you, right? Like people come back for you and your personality, and it's the reason why, like. I'll watch the same uh, phone review video from Casey Neistat as I will from uh, Sarah Dietschy, right? Because mm-hmm. they're reviewing the same phone, but I want to know what both of them had to say from their different perspectives. Mm-hmm. So how do I... That's that's where I get my inspiration from these YouTubers is how do right. I infuse my personality into it? Because I'm right. the only one that's doing this and it's mm-hmm. working. Other people are going to come along yeah. and do it. How do I make sure that I'm still not the best, but the only one in that category? Mm-hmm. So it I goes sure? back to like that personality. Mm-hmm. That's that's the main reason why people, you know, yeah, tend to watch YouTube videos. Justin Connor, 
Mm-hmm. On the, on the, on yeah, the and and we're gonna we're gonna uh, cover a little bit more about the Justin Connor brand in just a little bit. We're gonna cover uh, a another topic, which is leadership, goal setting, and forming a team. So all of you guys who are who have built companies or who are managing teams, it's always interesting to see perspectives on team management. But we're gonna start with. Um, the typical day in the life of Justin Kana. So let me just ask you, what's a typical day look like for you? I wish I could tell you it's always different. Different. It's so (laughs) different every single day. And you have to be prepared for that, right? Like part of, sometimes that might get someone really excited, right? Sometimes that might freak someone out. Mm -hmm. Like my girlfriend is the biggest planner in the world and she would Mm -hmm. hate to have a day that's different every single day. Yeah, I particularly enjoy that every single day is different because mm-hmm. I enjoy the unexpected. I, I'm a natural procrastinator, yeah. so I love working in the last minute of right. stuff. And so to incorporate that into my life is mm-hmm. just being self-aware and knowing that that's Yeah, and, and would you say, Justin, that uh, being an entrepreneur, that is kind of what you should expect? That, no, because you're that in you're... control of that, mm-hmm. right? Like, you can control it so that your day is always the same, mm-hmm. right? And then if you want to make sure that all the other stuff that's random gets mm-hmm. outsourced to someone else, mm-hmm. you should do that, right? Like, if, if mm-hmm. you, you just have to... You, you shouldn't uh, subscribe to this notion that every single entrepreneur is always running around, always taking meetings and whatever. You're in mm-hmm. control of that. And... Like it's it's one of these things. Like this is rare for me to do a morning meeting. I don't normally take morning meetings because mm-hmm. I personally know that I'm the most creatively productive in the mm-hmm. morning. Mm-hmm. So yes, congratulations! <laughs> Nailed, Nailed it. Creative time. Right there we go. <laughs> so you're probably getting a really creative perspective from me right now. Yes. But that's just how, you just have to know who you are and know what you thrive in, mm-hmm. um, and. You're in control. As the entrepreneur, you should be in control. Perfect answer. Okay, we're going to talk about burnout. So uh, that's an area I feel like a lot of people, not just entrepreneurs, struggle with. But I wanted to know how Justin deals with burnout. Um, Just because, I mean, you're doing uh, social media, right? You're a YouTube personality, and you're also starting. I mean, yeah. Like you already told (laughs) me. Yeah. So he does a lot of things. Like, how do you deal with burnout? Because I know that you have those days mm-hmm. sometimes. How do you it's get so past? It's so cliche to say because everybody says it, but there's uh, this quote that someone says. I think it's Shay Carl, who is also a big YouTuber. He says that every single time you hear a cliche, you should kind of perk your ears up at it because there's always some truth behind it. Mm-hmm. But the cliche that I want to talk about is the you, you really have to love it. Like, you really have to love it, and you have to be doing it for the right reasons. Mm-hmm. A lot of people are like, yeah, I am doing it for the right reasons. But it's like, mm-hmm. if I ask you why you're actually doing it, mm-hmm. you aren't clearly are able to articulate it. And there, right. you need to create something, like, deep in there right. that is going to keep you going day after right. day after day. So, for me, it's not to... You should also measure yourself up against those things, right? Mm-hmm. So, for me, it's not... A number goal. It's mm-hmm. not to make X number of dollars per year or mm-hmm. per month. It's not to get a certain number of YouTube subscribers. My why for me for a lot of the YouTube content that I make is because a lot of chefs in the industry complain that there's not enough good cooks mm-hmm. out there. Mm-hmm. And then I also look at those same chefs and they're doing absolutely zero to help with that. 
Mm-hmm. And that really sucks. And I know what it's like to be a young cook in the industry and to be mm-hmm. ambitious and to really like want to reach for these big goals. Mm-hmm. And there's not a lot of resources out there other mm-hmm. than going to work and getting your ass kicked to help mm-hmm. with that. So every single piece of content that I do right. is engineered in one of two ways, mm-hmm. either to tactically help you with strategy mm-hmm. or to give you escapism. Mm-hmm. Right, like I know that watching a gear video of mine is not going to make you a better line cook. Mm-hmm. Always, I do give a lot of like tiny tips in those videos mm-hmm. to help, but overall, maybe it just gives you a little bit of stress relief after your day. Mm-hmm. And that that actually ties into why Justin continues to make his YouTube videos because um, one area I didn't get to cover earlier. Mm-hmm about social media was that um, a lot of YouTubers that I see, like, I'll look through their channel and they give up, like, pretty... Like, they have really good content, but you see half a year later, they start to post less and less and then they stop. But I see Justin, you know, maintaining that momentum, which is so crucial to building up your YouTube. And sometimes I wonder why, like, people with good content on YouTube disappear. Sure. But it's... It's probably it, it can be many reasons, mm-hmm. but one it's maybe getting burned out, or one maybe it's could be the, like you said, the, well, like you said, burnout, but also right. like I said because there's no why, mm-hmm. like there's no yeah uh, defined. You can't be like I'm starting. Yeah, you can't be like I'm starting a YouTube channel to make money because which it, you can. It, it probably mm-hmm. like you just because those are again. That's why I mentioned making sure you're measuring yourself against those those metrics. Is that yeah. like if your goal is to make money, you have to be aware that YouTube is kind of like the wild west, and there's no guarantees mm-hmm. with it. So if you're gonna yeah. make financial things, mm-hmm. your your particularly measure, with YouTube ads, mm-hmm. Google ads. Yep, it's not. <laughs> and I mean, like, what happens if the algorithm changes and you don't? You know what I mean? You it's so disheartening, views, too. Right? I, I so, think a lot of people, um, they, I mean, younger people who look at YouTubers and they think, oh, you have this many subscribers. You, I, I want to also make YouTube my full-time career. Mm-hmm. But sometimes... Everybody wants to. Yeah. That's like, why? Right? Right. Like, um, it's the classic notion of, uh, I was listening to a podcast the other day where some guy said, like, Everybody thinks that the entrepreneurial dream is to build a company and then sell it for $10 million and mm-hmm. then sit on the beach and drink Mai Tais all day in Thailand. Right. How many people do you know that are happy are, are drinking, doing on, that. drinking on a beach in Thailand? Right? You know, like, that's funny the, because because speaking of that, just really quick, um, a lot of digital nomads that... I, I keep seeing these Instagram ads or Facebook ads. You see, like, the digital nomads and they're literally... On their laptops in Bali or in, I don't know, where, sure. like, Thailand. Mm-hmm. And they call themselves, like, oh, I'm living like a king. And this is how you can do, too. Like, free <laughs> free workshop. But that's the thing. Is that, like, all those people either have motivating and fulfilling work to do on the right. beach. Right. Or that's it. That's it. Like, there, there is nobody that lives five years at a time drinking Mai Tais on a beach with nothing else to do, right? Yeah. Like, humans are hardwired to solve problems, mm-hmm. right? So that's ultimately what you should set yourself up for, is mm-hmm. what problem are you solving mm-hmm. or who are you helping, mm-hmm. right? Like, if you can keep one of those two things in your mind, mm-hmm. it's really going to help you without um, burnout. Also... 
like I said, structuring your day to make sure that you are doing your best work mm-hmm. when is right for you, right? Like right. all these videos that where it says like this CEO wakes up at four forty five every morning. I've watched those videos. Bless if me. that's not you, don't do that, right? So if you're a night owl, totally. then then like, you should just figure out what Tim, works for you. Tim Ferriss does his best writing between ten PM and two in the morning, right? So like that's totally counterintuitive that's, to what everybody else yeah, says. So it's really interesting. Figure actually. out what's best for you. Don't try to be something you're not. Mm-hmm. And also, like, make sure that make sure that you're <laughs> creating time to be inspired and to mm-hmm. be time to make figure out what it is for you that really gets you inspired and motivated and makes you love life mm-hmm. and incorporate that in, into your day in mm-hmm. some in some way. Whether that's nature, whether that's just walking, moving your body for a little bit during the mm-hmm. day. For me, it's like cooking for my girlfriend mm-hmm. really makes me happy. So it's like I try to incorporate it in my day somehow. And Shout out to yeah, Anna. Yeah, totally. <laughs> uh, travel also really inspires me. So how do I structure my life so that travel can be incorporated into it in some in some regard? Um, don't th- having those things to look forward to really help prevent burnout mm-hmm. because it's like it's not easy. It's a, it's a lot of long days. Also. I was listening to another podcast the other day that said, why can't you work eight hours a day and build something amazing? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Right? Like, there's this illusion that in order to be successful, you have to be working 15 hours a day and have a $10 million exit from your company and go from zero to 10 million subscribers in a year. Right? Like, it's just not... That's the unicorn story. Mm-hmm. Right? Like, there's so many other ways to be successful. Mm-hmm. Quote, unquote, successful. Right? Like, figure out what success is for you. Yeah. And make sure it's sustainable. Because it's like, half those people that go from zero to ten million also aren't around six years later. Mm-hmm. So, That's what so would true. you rather have? Right? Like, would you rather have that zero to ten million in a year and then six years down the line no one knows who you, who you are? Or would you rather have a 20-year long career? Yeah. That's more sustainable. I don't know. It's different for everybody. So Good answer. figure out what that is for you. I remember you saying, oh, you should mention about the, are you still trying to do the media company, right? Someday. It's oh, not okay. front of mind right now, only because I'm realizing that the personal brand can be its own self-fulfilling thing right now. Yeah. And at this point in my life, while I like that idea. my family is still um, healthy and able to travel, I want to prioritize that in my life mm-hmm. as opposed to building something with employees that rely on me mm-hmm. and that I have to manage mm-hmm. um, because, again, and we can get into that in the team building thing, I started to realize that I was not at, at a point in my life where I wanted to manage a team yet. I'm completely mm-hmm. content uh, putting out my own stuff mm-hmm. and being in complete control of that. And if I want to go to Asia for two weeks with my dad... Mm-hmm. No one is relying on me for income. Mm-hmm. And that's what I want right now. In five to ten years, I definitely want some sort of standalone media entity mm-hmm. that can function on its own with employees and staff and big projects and whatever. Mm-hmm. But right now, I would I would hate to build this media company mm-hmm. knowing that I sacrificed all this time with my family. Mm-hmm. 
only to in five years be like, okay, now I'm ready. It's up and running. And then my dad is sick or my little brother's in college. And you don't want to live with regrets. Totally. Totally. And you want to prioritize. While I have this time right now, I'm looking at it very like in the moment and making sure that I'm building something that can sustain that. Mm-hmm. Okay. But it's still setting myself up for success later, right? Like, yeah. if I can get enough YouTube subscribers, then when the media mm-hmm. company launches, the audience is already there, right. right? So it's like, there's this thing that's working, but it's also like mm-hmm. setting myself up for the next thing, okay. which is going to happen. It just, again, that's what people mess up with so mm-hmm. hard is like that patience thing, right? Like they want right. it right now. Like they want, I want a media company. I could say I want it right now. Mm-hmm. When in reality, it's like, what's the difference if I have it in 10 years? Mm-hmm. What are you trying to do for the Justin Kana brand? And we're going to ask him about his 2018 end of year goals, as well as briefly touch upon five or 10 years, what he wants his life to look like. So ultimately in the rest of 2018, I have some very specific number goals that I'd like to hit as mm-hmm. far as like followers. Tell us. Oh, man. <laughs> I would love to have, uh, I have it on my calendar for 10,000 YouTube subscribers. 10,000. At the current rate it's going, I want to up it to get to 100,000 just because I think it's really important to have that carrot that's just kind of like just out of reach. So you mm-hmm. reach for it and you, you try to like. That's awesome. You know, like, because. Yeah. It's that, shoot for the, it's that shoot for the moon and you might land among the stars thing. Like, mm-hmm. If I have 10,000 and it's really easy to reach it, um, I'm less likely to hustle hard to get there. Mm-hmm. If I keep this thing that's like 100,000 yeah. or 50,000, if I hustle hard to get there and I get to 47,000, yeah. oh man, that sucks because I didn't reach my goal. <laughs> but it's way better than 10,000. Exactly. Right? And, and uh, Justin, because you mentioned that, we're going to keep him accountable. Yeah. Okay, because totally. it's on the video, so so we're and, gonna revisit at the end of 2018 right. and see. So again, that's like, how do I do that? Mm-hmm. Um, that has to do really with good of, for accountability, right? That has to do with like, what do I, what am I thinking about as far as mm-hmm. like collaborations and um, working with other brands who yeah. can like work, uh, get my get my name out there, and how do I uh, leverage current topics and um, Mm -hmm. ride the wave of other things perfect answer so what else that's um i would like to have make it my full-time thing make youtube my full-time thing i Mm -hmm. don't know if it's completely possible because this restaurant consulting thing might make that my full my full-time thing and then youtube Mm -hmm. might be my side hustle that could be a full-time thing Mm -hmm. but diversifying myself that's another goal for 2018 is yeah. to diversify myself enough so that even more than right well, now because you know like all the uh, social media and four three or four jobs where it was like i realized when i hit a thousand instagram followers i was like this is awesome but what if instagram goes away tomorrow I'm that's true because you nothing. don't really own the platform sometimes we don't really think about it that way like even youtube right mm-hmm. we don't necessarily own that platform how do you set yourself up so that if that platform goes away or changes, it's a tough one. It's really hard. So, uh, 
email list. How do I grow my email list more? Mm-hmm. Because that is rock solid concrete. If you have mm-hmm. a strong email list, you're you're strong good. email list, guys. Instagram and YouTube for me right now are on the same page. I actually have more YouTube subscribers now than Instagram followers, which I Sweet. never thought would be a thing, but it it's is so exciting. Um, it's so how exciting. Am I pushing more people to Twitter? How am I mm-hmm. growing Facebook? Yeah, um, all of those things diversifying yeah. myself to make sure that if YouTube goes away, mm-hmm. make sure that my Patreon fam is strong or right. whatever, so that if I show up on another platform, the next platform, I, people are still going to be there. They'll find you. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay, good question. Uh, good answer. Yeah, good question. <laughs> good question. Um, let's talk about five or ten years. Like, just just tell me like the big picture. Totally. Um, Where the goal is to still be cooking mm-hmm. in a way that is sustainable and can hopefully inspire the next generation to think about what they can do outside of a restaurant. Mm-hmm. Um, so trying to think of, uh, does it look like a media company? Does mm-hmm. it look like a restaurant studio space where we shoot content and mm-hmm. also serve people food? Um, is it this constantly traveling thing where we I have a small team of people, and I do a bunch of speaking engagements right. at culinary centers to inspire the next generation. That would be fun. While also doing dinners with mm-hmm. chefs in that city who are also doing, like, right. how, what, is, what does that look like? Um, I just think that the all of this whole thing with the personal brand started from being frustrated with the current state of restaurants. Mm-hmm. And... How very, do I, very frustrated. Totally frustrated. How do, I, how do I be successful as a chef in a sustainable manner mm-hmm. where not only am I happy, but I'm making people happy mm-hmm. and my staff is happy? Usually one of those goes away in restaurants, right? Like either mm-hmm. the chef is miserable or his or her staff is miserable mm-hmm. or the guest isn't having a great experience. Yeah. Um... It's really hard to hit all three on the head. Mm-hmm. And why does it have to look like a restaurant? Why does the ultimate goal for a chef have to have, have, have to be a restaurant in mm-hmm. a 2017, 2018, 2025 vision? Right. So that's where I'm at. Good answer. Um, let's talk about team management and the struggles of mm-hmm. managing a team. So, uh, for example, getting everybody on the same page. But let's talk to Justin about his view on that. So 2017 was the first time that I experimented with a team of my own. Uh, Prior to that, I had amazing management experience as a sous chef, Mm -hmm. which frustrated me a lot. I was really frustrated with the fact that they kind of like took the knife out of my hand and Mm -hmm. slid a clipboard across the table and they're like, Mm -hmm. manage the kitchen, which really frustrated me because I didn't understand why if I was the quote unquote best cook in the kitchen why am i not cooking hmm. right and that Ironic. was really frustrating for me to wrap my head around and yeah if you're interested in doing any sort of management this is something that i discovered maybe about a month back and i wish i wish i would have discovered it before i had the audacity to think that i could build my own team with that mm-hmm. mentality it's a book called herding tigers h-e-r-d-i-n-g tigers it's by Mm -hmm. todd henry and he talks all about managing creatives Mm -hmm. and how 
the skills that you have as the best graphic designer in the firm mm -hmm. don't translate to managing a team of graphic designers. That's so true. And what do those other skills look like and what do creatives look for and need in a leader? Right. And how do you manage that team and make sure that everybody's motivated and, like you said, on the same page? And it was something that I really struggled with when I had when I formed this team. So the team was me, another chef, a videographer, mm -hmm. and then someone to help us with product sourcing and mm -hmm. uh, a little bit of front of house. Right, mostly stuff. for your pop ups, exactly. right? Seattle pop ups. Um, not content focused. The videographer was supposed to help with content, but my problem was that I still wanted to be in the arena. Mm -hmm. I still wanted, you wanted to be hands-on and involved with every with the product right. itself not um I wanted to hire a bunch of people who were self-motivated mm -hmm. who didn't want to be micromanaged mm -hmm. and no, shared your mission right but I still wanted to cook all the time and I mm -hmm. still wanted to participate in the video right and for me, that was the reason why it, I mean, it didn't crash and burn. Uh -huh. I had to, we made a lot of really great stuff. Right. But, I but had to have a meeting it was a struggle. Say like, hey, I can't, I can't work like this anymore because it's not exactly the way that I envisioned it. Mm -hmm. And that's on me, right? Like, that's the ultimate thing that you have to realize. If you're going to be managing a team, everything mm -hmm. is on you, right? Like, right. stuff goes bad, it comes back to you. Um, and there's so much more to managing than people give it credit for. Mm -hmm. But... Managing is a skill. Mm -hmm. It's not something you're naturally born with. None of us are born right. as managers. Right. And there's ways to get those skills. Right. But you need to wrap your head around the fact that you're managing creatives, and mm -hmm. creatives are really hard to manage. Mm -hmm. They're not robots. They like to think freely and whatever. Right. But um, it was really... Going, if I had to do it again, I mm -hmm. would have read this book, Hurting Tigers, mm -hmm. and realized the things. I'll go that he ahead and read it yeah, after, the after things this that he video. talks about because it's so powerful. Mm -hmm. And I had to. That's why. That's maybe a lot a reason why I'm starting to take it back and start to think about what does my own personal brand look like. And mm -hmm. maybe in five or ten years, I will start to think about building a full fledged team mm -hmm. when, when you feel, feel like you're ready. When I feel like I've had my fill mm -hmm. of the cooking or the editing or the whatever part. Mm -hmm. Because as a manager, they rely on you for a lot of stuff. They rely mm -hmm. on you for the vision. They rely on you for feedback. Right. Which you, you weren't security. necessarily I wasn't used giving. to. I wasn't, and I wasn't giving that to mm -hmm. them. I was wanting to be in the arena with them and I mm -hmm. wanted to work with them, which mm -hmm. I respect a lot in managers, but right. a lot of times it doesn't necessarily lead towards the best team dynamics okay. when you're putting yourself on their level. Mm -hmm. um, as much as people like to, to say, right. I don't want a manager. I mm -hmm. hate people. That was your idealistic part totally. going into mm -hmm. a lot the pop-ups. I, I always wanted to be like... Uh, I don't tell my staff what to do. Mm -hmm. I let them make their own decisions, yeah. which is great to say, but a lot of times the best work gets done when you have a very outlined vision of what you need to do mm -hmm. and how you're going to get there and how you're going to uh, execute on that vision. Right. Uh, that makes a lot of sense, though. Yeah, because that, then you can measure you your progress, it. right? Like, mm -hmm. if you're the only one that you're accountable to, mm -hmm. how do you know if you're doing a good job? How mm -hmm. do you get that satisfaction from a job well done? Mm -hmm. A lot of that comes from getting positive feedback from your manager or your mm -hmm. leader. Um, right. That's true. So those are definitely the things that I learned. It wasn't easy. It was really hard because I took a lot of pride in the way that I managed. 
Um, it just, when you're working with creatives, you have to think differently. You have to make sure mm -hmm. that you're uh, setting them up for success. You're yeah. giving them a safe space to create in. And when I was in that space with them, I couldn't be their superior and mm -hmm. their peer at the same time. Right. There has to be, there has to be one or the other. It's a little conflict. There was another um, uh, <clears throat> thing I listened to the other day where mm -hmm. it was like um, organizations that uh, operate on a flat plane mm -hmm. there's no hierarchy mm -hmm. to their organization fails fails every time yeah. because there has to be a hierarchy there has to be mm -hmm. a, a chain of command there has to be mm -hmm. a level there has to be levels mm -hmm. well so what's what's the action item for someone wanting to start uh, or build or sure have a team sure. um if you feel like you have the skills to manage you should do it but mm -hmm. if not i would suggest doing what i did which was get my management experience when you have someone managing you mm -hmm. does that make sense so for, for for me that was being a sous chef mm -hmm. where above me there was the executive chef and then underneath me was kind of like this team of cooks mm -hmm. and that was really really valuable because I had someone managing me, making sure that I was being accountable towards these certain measurables. Mm -hmm. And then I also had a team of people that I was in charge of managing. Mm -hmm. And that was a really uh, great safe space for me to experiment with mm -hmm. what kind of managing works, what kind of managing doesn't. Right. And I was an idiot and tried to flip it on its head. And I figured out what worked. And I was like, this is stupid. I want to mm -hmm. do my own thing. Mm -hmm. And it failed. So mm -hmm. it's really hard to wrap your head around that, but you have mm -hmm. to, maybe it works. Maybe one of you can be the peer and the superior, mm -hmm. but for me, it didn't work. And mm -hmm. maybe there's a way to do it in a way that does. But mm -hmm. at this point in my career, right. I don't have the skills to make it happen. Mm -hmm. And so I pivoted. Right. Um, you mentioned earlier that you wanted to be mm -hmm. like this, but then mm -hmm. you said, later that it's you like it that. requires mm -hmm. a hierarchy mm -hmm. totally so, so how do i think about that mm -hmm. this means to me now that i see it and now that i've dealt with it this photo now to me means that i'm going to be the first one to get hit mm -hmm. you know like if we're charging into right battle, responsibility you know, i'm going to be the first one to get hit mm -hmm. i'm going to be the first one that um takes the first step I'm going to be the the one that tells everybody else that it's safe to keep going. Mm -hmm. I'm going to tell the people to go faster or slow down. Mm -hmm. um, that's what being a leader is to me. This is different because the boss or the manager part is different because it is telling people to go faster when you're not able to be empathetic mm -hmm. to where they are and what they're dealing with. Um, it is... Sometimes it sometimes works because um, you're able to look at it from the top down and see mm -hmm. exactly what's happening. Right. But it doesn't like this so, works. This works uh, from one perspective. This uh -huh. boss is probably a very effective boss in managing these people. But looking back, they don't think the same way. Okay. It doesn't go both ways. That's the difference. So, in your perspective. If you were to lead a team again, would you want to be somewhere in between? No, or... I would. I, I, I would you, look at the, uh -huh. this bottom photo as a. 
from a different perspective. Okay. Right? Not, I'm on the same level as you guys. Let's do this together. Mm-hmm. I'm looking at it from the perspective of, we're going to do this, mm-hmm. and I'm going to make sure everyone's going to be okay. Okay. Right? Like, I'm okay. Make I think sure I got feel, it now. You feel safe enough to <clears throat> share your ideas. Mm-hmm. You feel safe enough to... Um, do your best work. Mm-hmm. You are set up for success. Mm-hmm. You have all the tools you need. Um, I give you the space to create mm-hmm. your best work, and I'm also I also uh, am in it enough so that you know ex- like I know exactly what you're dealing with. Mm-hmm. Um, as opposed to the other way, which for me was. I'm going to create with you and we're both on the same page. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's very different. It's very different because then who's making sure that it's safe. Who's making sure that everything is going to be okay. Mm -hmm. uh, If I'm also dealing with the same. So good that you had that experience. And I needed to do that. I needed to do that because it gave me this different point of view when it was like, I wasn't wrong. I was just, I had it, I had it twisted. Mm -hmm. It was just a little bit twisted in my head. Right. Um, because I know, like, you were struggling, like, you wanted to be, like, the kind and empathetic leader, and you thought maybe that was putting you on the same level as everybody else. Yep. But exactly. in after practice, or, you know, after mm-hmm. your experience, it's you realize... It's a very frequent thing that I think about with why, in the Star Wars franchise, do people love Darth Vader mm. as opposed to the Emperor? Mm-hmm. Because the Emperor technically was quote-unquote more powerful than Darth Vader and Mm -hmm. he had more responsibility and Mm -hmm. he was the biggest whatever Mm -hmm. people love Darth Vader more because when it came down to it Mm -hmm. Darth Vader would pull out his lightsaber Mm -hmm. and fight Mm -hmm. with all the other stormtroopers yeah the emperor that gives him more credibility too totally Mm -hmm. people saw the emperor sit back in his chair and get shot down the tube or whatever happened yeah. at the end of that movie yeah it's that's the difference and that's mm-hmm. the re darth vader's here the emperor's here mm-hmm. that's the difference yeah um and i thought about that a lot and finally now that now i see it um just one more quick question this is related to gary v mm-hmm. he said something in one video this was the ask gary v show segment he said um to this college student that Oh, no. There's somebody who wanted to move into getting paid customers, but currently they just had a YouTube. Mm -hmm. So they were just trying to monetize um, and then maybe bring on a team. Gary was saying, like, you should wait because the longer that you wait... um, He says that too many people are impatient and they just want to jump ahead of the gun. And he said you should wait, but what are your thoughts on it? Because when I was watching it, I was like... um, is it only for specific circumstances or just across the board you should wait to be able to charge more or to mm-hmm. monetize mm-hmm. better? Should so, you always wait? Right. So Tim Ferriss also has a very similar point of view on this where mm-hmm. you should be uh, patient with it, mm-hmm. focus on growth, mm-hmm. and focus on um, hitting a critical mass, and then you should start monetizing. Mm-hmm. Because his theory is that you could start monetizing at 30000 Mm-hmm start chasing a bunch of small sponsors, Mm -hmm. 
that will maybe pay your bills. Or you could just focus on growth when you hit 100000 mm-hmm. Then you go to the big guys and say, look what I built. Uh-huh. Pay me more. Right? And that right. will pay off over the long term more. Right. I've also seen it go the other way. Mm-hmm. Because timing is important, too. Totally. Where you start offering all this stuff for free. Mm-hmm. To give an example, there's this YouTube channel uh, here in Seattle, actually, called Chef Steps. Mm-hmm. And they started putting out content for free. They were teaching you how to make these recipes. Mm -hmm. They were blah, 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 blah. And then all of a sudden they came out with this product, which was an immersion circulator. And then every single thing became a commercial for this product. Mm -hmm. And everybody got pissed off. They were like, you kept making all these free videos and now all all you're doing is trying to sell us. And that was something something that I... (laughs) Switched. I I wanted to turn it on from the beginning. I wanted it to be known that I would be sponsored Mm -hmm. eventually. I was interested in pursuing people to sponsor my content. Mm -hmm. If you want to support me, there's a way to do it. That's to prevent this sort of thing. Any sort of backlash, very Mm -hmm. transparent. Like, listen, Mm -hmm. I want to keep creating this content. Mm -hmm. And that also comes back to making sure your why is People appreciate that authenticity. And letting them know, like, hey... This stuff's not cheap. I have to pay my bills. Mm-hmm. This is exactly how I want to do it. And mm-hmm. I'm not going to, I'm not, I, none of my stuff is behind a paywall. You don't mm-hmm. have to pay to get my best content. All mm-hmm. my content's free. Yeah. But just so you know, in the future, stuff might be sponsored. It's one mm-hmm. of the reasons why when I had eight viewers on my podcast, I would say today's beverage is this cup of coffee that I'm drinking. <laughs> you know, like today's beverage is this. Because one day it could be totally. that and you were sponsored. And you audience, can still do the same thing. Your audience People is completely primed for it, right? Like they're completely ready. It's not They won't be blue. like, what? They're not like, what? Like uh, this, this, this podcast used to be free <laughs> and now he's asking me to pay this money for it. Sell out. <laughs> sell out, you know, like. I'm giving away my best stuff for free. I'm giving you insight. You can ask me any questions you want, and it's mm. all completely free. But at the same time, I got to get paid. I love that approach. Mm-hmm. So I think that's very. There's good. no, there's no right or wrong answer, right? Like, there's no like you should automatically start doing affiliates and looking for sponsors. And there's also not like you should wait until this number and then start mm-hmm. going out for people. Uh, my question is always when I when I reach these crossroads Mm -hmm. my question is immediately can i do both finish off this interview with um one question and then we're gonna move on to uh justin's plug um okay so the question is justin what would be a huge win for you right now a huge win would be to get a brand that i never would have thought to reach out to me to reach out to me and ask me to work with them. Mm-hmm. And I can't tell you what those brands are. It just It's just going to happen once and it's going to feel like a win. I'm trying mm-hmm. to make sure that it's a little bit... Um, I don't set myself up for disappointment. I just mm-hmm. want to be like pleasantly surprised when it right. happens. I just want to keep creating <laughs> until it happens. Mm-hmm. That would be a huge win. Uh, I tweeted out the other day that I wanted a, a silver play button. Which mm-hmm. is for a hundred thousand YouTube subscribers. Mm-hmm. That would be a huge win. That could be you guys. That's true. So, I remember what it's like. Uh, maybe I'll send Katie the photo and she can put it up right here, where it mm-hmm. says uh, it's a photo that I posted last summer, where I was literally begging people on Instagram to subscribe to me on YouTube <laughs> because I wanted a hundred YouTube subscribers. 
I was at like 94 YouTube subscribers. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I just want to get 100. Mm-hmm. So please, if you're on Instagram, I had like 600 followers. I was like, Is it your OCD side? Just, yeah, kind just, of. Just, just want to get to that there. 100. I, just, I hated <laughs> seeing the double digits. I wanted mm-hmm. the triple digits. And now it's like 300 subscribers a month is what I'm growing at, which is it's really great. good. It's really good. And so um, that would be a huge win, the mm-hmm. silver play button. Oh, yeah. Um, another thing that I have on my goal sheet for 2018 is to do a public speaking gig. I would love to do a public speaking event where the audience is right and I can share. This is also a great format. I'm not saying this is public speaking to me. This is mm-hmm. sharing my ideas to the public, mm-hmm. but a live public speaking event and right. to get paid for it. That would be a, ah, a huge okay. Me, maybe maybe college students watching this totally. from UW to speak will at your conference or whatever <laughs> you have coming up. If, if 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 it would be a great fit. Mm-hmm, for sure. Okay. Well, uh, last thing is just plug whatever you want. So tell us about your latest project, what you've been up to, um, and some links for sure. people to connect with you. Sure. I'm gonna be putting. Justin's uh, YouTube channel right here or down there in the Probably description. Down there. <laughs> YouTube's weird with her annotations these days. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I would love for you to subscribe to me on YouTube if you want. I am What do you what do you what do you post? What do you post? I told, so that's why I'm saying I'm hesitant to suggest it because I post a lot of chef-related content. I mm-hmm. do a weekly podcast called The Emulsion. mm mm-hmm. Mhm which if you're interested in learning a little bit more about chef news mm-hmm. or being a creative in the food industry, yeah, that's what that podcast is for. Mm-hmm. And I also post that on YouTube. So right. uh, travel vlogs are also on YouTube. They mm-hmm. don't happen as frequently as they used to just because I'm not traveling mm-hmm. as much as I used to. Yeah. Um, He's a busy follow me guy. On Twitter if you're into tech and news and funny stuff and mm-hmm. videos that are interesting. That's, yeah. Don't I'm forget Instagram. Yeah. <laughs> beautiful food photos and just photos my mug is on instagram and then if you're interested in supporting me go on my patreon also if you're really into the chef space and you really want to get into the more gear side of things news uh food photos of other chefs plating that's inspirational Mm -hmm. sign up to my email newsletter yeah that's also available on justincona.com slash newsletter Mm-hmm. I would love for you to join that. But again, a lot of my stuff is very targeted towards the chef. So if you're not interested in that, uh, make sure you're subscribed to me on Twitter. So if I do do an interview like this, I can share it with you where mm-hmm. it's not 100% chef related. Yeah. It's just, social media, business, leadership, <laughs> all that stuff. Just to add on to that, I'm I'm not really... I mean, I'm a good example of being subscribed onto Justin's YouTube and uh, follow him on Instagram without being in the, um, I guess, the chef space. Totally. Um, so all of you foodies, I think, I think you might also be interested in Justin's con- uh, Justin's channel because he does uh, food reviews and uh, he's he's just a, a very engaging, entertaining personality. So if you really enjoyed um, our conversation and you like his personality, you can also go ahead and. Check him out on YouTube. Absolutely. Thank you for that. Yeah, no problem. All right, so uh, just to end the video, what should I say? Oh, interviews, video interviews every Sunday. I try to upload every Sunday. And uh, yeah, so so the people that I interview, um, 
uh, are creatives and entrepreneurs and industry leaders in different industries. I feel like I'm repeating myself. <laughs> Um, yeah, so videos every Sunday. Please make sure you're subscribed onto my channel and even turn on notifications if you love me. So yeah, I'll see you guys next Sunday for more videos just like this. And please com feel free to comment below what was your favorite, favorite part of this interview and what would you like to kind of learn more about? Um, and also, if you have any recommendations on people or guests that I should interview, please leave them down below and I'll definitely consider it. That's absolutely something you should do as someone who also hosts their podcast. If you, as a listener, want access to someone, she can get it. Collab. And it's really... Collab with me. Podcasting and interviewing is the most underrated way to connect right now. If you don't have a podcast of your own or a way for people to interview, mm -hmm. for you to interview people, Katie has that. Mm -hmm. And if you want access to them, if you have a question that you want answered, even someone that feels way out of your league, she has the platform to make it happen. So I really yeah. encourage that. I Thanks encourage for, it on my podcast. Appreciate the, the totally. plug. You should absolutely, <laughs> absolutely suggest people for Katie to interview. Because she comes up with really thoughtful questions. This was really fun. Yeah.